Hey everybody, it's Everyday Short Stories and I'm your host, David. Our second story slam was regret. Our next storyteller is Jesse Mackey, who intentionally came up and told kind of an obnoxiously long story uh, for fun. He was kind of ribbing me this time, but it was a lot of fun. And it turns out this isn't even his story of regret, but it's about him, supposedly, encountering an old man in a Vegas bathroom. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Everyday Short Stories. Uh, Sir, working the sound booth there, what's your name? Luke. Luke. Let's have a hand for Luke, everybody. Luke has to sit through a shitload of stories about regret. He's going to go home and do bad things. It's okay, Luke. They're all just stories. Uh, (laughs) You're strong, Luke. You can handle it. Uh, So as he said, my name is Jesse M. Jesse Mackey. There's another Jesse that's going to come up later. Uh, We travel in packs. So first of all, congratulations, everybody, and thank you for telling your stories of regret. I'm going to go over the five minutes. Uh, I think it's important. I think we all have regrets. We all feel regret. It's nice to come out and share those and maybe help some others with your tales of woe, perhaps uh, make someone else not make that bad decision or something that did not do the thing that they regret not doing. My tale of regret is not mine, so much as it's a tale of regret that I experienced firsthand, and I was the only one in the room to experience it, so I feel like I took on a portion of that regret. Uh, I call it uh, the cautionary tale of Captain Jack and his moment of woe. (laughs) Uh, My story of regret takes place like so many other stories of regret, uh, in the bathroom of, of an off-strip uh, hotel casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> I, yes, so many tales of regret in the bathroom. So when I turned 40, low some five years ago, uh, I forced the wife to go to Vegas with me. I enjoy Las Vegas for making my own memories of regret involving uh, binge drinking and, and bad eating choices. Uh, so I enjoy going there for the gambling and that sort of thing. So uh, the wife and I had just knocked down a few Guinness, at insert your name, you know, insert name here, annoyingly offensive Irish pub, because uh, they're all over Vegas. It's just a shitload of, we're Irish. They'll get the drunks in here. Uh, and there's some poor, poor Dublin expat on the stage in some sort of indentured servitude program who has to sit there and twang out the wild rover to a bunch of dudes ordering car bombs. It's awful. So uh, I was in that place, uh, and I was that guy. No, I don't. I don't. Uh, so I was, I had had a couple of too many Guinness, as you do in Las Vegas, uh, and went to the hotel casino bathroom across the way, which, upon entering, I was excited to find out that I was the only person in this entire gigantic hotel casino bathroom. I felt what the King of France must have felt like when relieving himself at the Palace of Versailles. Uh, golden fixtures, massive marble structures everywhere, and just me. Uh, <laughs> I was so excited that I, I believe, I had a couple of drinks, uh, I believe, I, when, when, when noticing the empty bathroom, went, ho-ho! Because I felt very French in that moment. Like I said, <laughs> the gilded fixtures and the marble. So after my French exclamation, I proceeded to the urinal, like you do. Uh, and then as I was uh, taking care of business, in hobbled quickly uh, a man that I have come to years later lovingly refer to as Captain Jack. Uh, I never met the man. We never exchanged words. I never spoke to him. I barely looked at him the once. 
But in my head, after telling this story hundreds of times, that's just the name that stuck because in addition to his uh, black Velcro orthopedic shoes and compression socks, uh, he was wearing shorts, a Hawaiian shirt, and one of those Greek fisherman caps <laughs> that you see a lot frequently on some older folks. No, no offense, of course. Not you, but older folks. Uh, with the, you're not old. Uh, with the Greek fisherman's hat. Uh, so in my head, immediately, my drunken mind, I imagine he was some sort of sailor who maybe led fishing excursions or pleasure cruises or whatever it was. Uh, so Captain Jack and I, so Captain Jack pulls into port six or seven stalls away from me because there was like 50 stalls or 50 urinals, like, like, you know, in Vegas. Captain Jack pulls into port. Okay, well, I look over and think to my head, oh, Captain Jack, like it's just immediately the shirt and the hat. Oh, Captain Jack. Uh, so I'm taking care of business. Captain Jack's taking care of business. He, I think, also had imbibed a couple too many adult beverages because the uh, speed of his hobble made it seem as if he really needed to get something taken care of. And so he quickly pulled into port uh, and began taking care of his own business. Uh, and then during the process, again, not talking to each other, no, no one else in the bathroom, nothing going on, uh, Captain Jack let out a little something extra, as I found happens as you get older. I'm, like I said, now 45. And I find myself now... Uh, Perhaps those of you in the, there are those of you in the room who can back me up. I don't want to point fingers, but sometimes, as you get older, uh, the I would say this the 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 locks on the doors get a little looser. Things get you know the sixteen hundred year old lock gets a little looser, and <laughs> things creep out when maybe you didn't expect to in a public place. But you go with it, and as you get older, you don't care anymore. I don't I don't care anymore. It still makes me laugh. Uh, I used to be as a kid. I thought it was hilarious, and don't get me wrong, I still think it's hilarious when that happens in a public bathroom. I just now, I used to be the kid who laughed at the show. Now I'm occasionally the calliope player at the circus. <laughs> that makes any sense. My, my thinly veiled reference uh, to what was going on. So Captain Jack, mid-urination, let's have a little something. As you do. I chuckled to myself a little bit. Uh, during the middle of that exclamation, for lack of a better term, uh, things went wrong for Captain Jack. Uh, <laughs> You could, it's, not, it's rare in life when you can hear a change in element, a change in the form of an element. And he went from gaseous to solid. He, to put it into Captain Jack type nautical terms, he meant to just put a little wind in the aft sail, but accidentally dropped anchor on the poop deck. If that makes any sense. He, you all get where I'm going with it. So poor Captain Jack, and you could hear it happen. At the exact moment it would happen, I, I didn't say anything, because what do you say at that moment? But I realized that my teeth, my lips had peeled back, and my teeth had gone into that sort of, ooh, sneer. It was, Because I knew, I knew the pain. I felt, I, I had previously, uh, in college, felt Captain Jack's pain. I knew. I knew I was. And so I felt, I felt it, and it was like, Oh, oh, in my head, I'm like, oh, no, no, Captain Jack. I felt so bad. And he, you know, of course, he felt it, uh, literally. So the both of us are standing there, and then there's this silence, because what he knows I know what happened. And there's this awkward silence, and it was, it felt like an eternity. It was like in, those, in a movie where someone does something, and then their entire life, life flashes before their eyes. They see... Uh, all the bad decisions they had made. In Captain Jack's case, perhaps it was taking those people on that three-hour tour, or uh, 
you know, going to his love of the sea and leaving poor Brandy at home. I don't know what it was, but I imagined what felt like eternity, all these thoughts running through his head, like, why did I leave college and buy a boat? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what he sounded like. I made that voice up. So this eternity passes, and I'm still like, I don't know what to do. What do I say? What do I do? Do I just turn around and leave? Do I? Uh, and before I can say anything, I hear, I hear Captain Jack sigh of regret. And so I know, he knows, we all know what's going on. It's just he and I in the bathroom again. Nobody there. I'm not looking at him. I can't look at him at this point because I don't want to see what like late 70s tears look like. I don't want to know. So, so, so this groan comes out. And this, this is, I swear to God or Buddha or Jehovah or, or Zenu or Yahweh, whoever you believe in, I swear on all that is good and holy that this happened. These are the words that came out of Captain Jack's mouth. Well, I gambled and I lost. <laughs> and that was it. That was, I couldn't speak a word after that. All I could do, I didn't wash my hands. Did was the Vegas casino dealer and back my way without seeing Captain Jack. I don't know what he looks like really for that one glimpse, but other than that, Captain Jack just lives out of my memory as a man who had some serious regret that I feel like I took on part of because I was there. So let me, that being said, let me close with the immortal words of Jack Nicholson in the critically acclaimed film Bucket List. Uh, as you get older, there are three things you can believe in. Number one, Never pass up an opportunity to go to the bathroom. Understood. Number two, never waste an erection. I get that as I get older. Totally get it. Number three, never trust a fart. Hey, everyone. One of our favorite sponsors is the Humble Bee Cafe located in Northridge, California. Fantastic food, fantastic location. Um, amazing, almost all of it's organic, fantastic pizzas, so check it out if you're in the valley. All right, um, our next storyteller is Ken, my father-in-law, who starts off thinking about regret and choices he made when he was younger and realizing that the path he's currently on is a path that he needed to be on, that he wanted to be on, that he's in love with. So it's another story of not having regrets. Um, for all I know, David comes up with his own story first and then chooses the topic to fit it, which puts him on the complete reverse of the rest of us, and I don't think that's fair. Um, <laughs> I, you know, we have the, there's this phrase, tinged with regret. Um, we talk about a memory that's tinged with regret or with some experiences tinged with regret. And it occurred to me that regret can also be tinged with other emotions. It can work both ways. I was uh, brought up a fundamentalist. Um, that's not my... What kind? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that's another story. Um, 
that I, that's not my regret, um, because I didn't have anything to do with it. Um, but I spent uh, most of my adolescence uh, in church or some kind of church activity six times a week. Um, my parents sent me to fundamentalist schools. And um, so I, it was a fairly isolated life from the rest of the culture. And, uh, but it, it wasn't all bad because uh, those schools, they had their quirks. We, you know, there were no school dances, for example. Um, and the biology class never mentioned evolution except to ridicule it. But the, uh, the math courses, the other science courses, the English courses, were actually pretty good. Um, they drilled us pretty solidly uh, in some pretty good stuff. And so by the time I finished high school, uh, I could deal with almost any math problem that was thrown at me. And, uh, and of course, I hadn't wasted a lot of time doing much else because there wasn't much room in a fundamentalist life for that. Uh, and I could write <clears throat> a really good essay on any topic you wanted to throw at me on a moment's notice. Um, and I could read. I could, you know, if you had me read a passage, I could answer the questions about it uh, pretty confidently. Now, those three skills are the three skills it takes to do well on the SATs. And consequently, I did very well on the SATs. And I'd been a good student during my years in those fundamentalist high schools, so I had good grades and I had good SATs, which meant <clears throat> that I had everything it took to have a wide variety of choices of, uh, of colleges when I came to the point in my life where I had to make the first really big life-changing decision uh, that I'd ever had to make, <clears throat> which was which college to go to. Um, I probably could have gotten in any place that I wanted to get in, but I'd been raised a fundamentalist. And so the only college I even considered was a little fundamentalist college in Southern California um, that shall go nameless because I'm not going to say good things about it. Um, I'll call it Donnie. Um, I, was, I was accepted and I went off to, to college and uh, was horribly disappointed. Um, unlike high schools and junior highs and <clears throat> other fundamentalist schools that I had experienced, uh, this college was uh, pathetic. Uh, the level of learning that was presented to me there was, was something like I had been exposed to maybe in middle school in the schools I had gone to. Um, I'll give you one brief example. I had a friend who was a junior, and he was an English major. And uh, I helped him prep for, his, uh, for the final in his course in American literature. 
So what I did was I helped him. The teacher had given them a list of 100 books and the authors that went with them. And he had to memorize these because on the test there was going to be a multiple choice, or no, a matching question that matched the name of the author with the name of the book. Now this is junior year in college, American literature. You might think that that's a horrible section to put on the final uh, for that course, but it wasn't a section on the final. It was the final. <laughs> he didn't have to have read the books. He didn't have to know anything about them. He had to know the author. It took me about 10 weeks to call my parents and say, <clears throat> I want out. I want, to, I want to go somewhere where there's some kind of education. Um, and my father's response to that was, no, no, you chose this college. <laughs> you need to at least finish the year out. Well, that year was probably the worst year of my life. It was, it was absolute misery. Um, <clears throat> I was at an age where I was really interested in learning. Uh, there was nothing to learn there. Uh, I had a sociology professor who spent every single uh, session that we had for that course explaining to us that Jackie Kennedy had no more culture than anybody else. That was, <laughs> that was the, so I hated it. <clears throat> and it was a miserable mistake I made. Um, and the result of it was that uh, UCLA, which was the choice that I thought I might come up with uh, coming out of there, um, A, wasn't taking transfers for the junior year or for the sophomore year. So I couldn't go there directly. And B, um, wasn't impressed with the fundamentalist school that I'd been attending for some reason. Um, and so consequently, I ended up going to Valley State College, coming home, going to Valley State College, which is now CSUN, and finishing out there. <clears throat> so that was a really bad decision. And uh, um, it was a really missed opportunity. But, you know, regret isn't always all bad. I mean, those things we regret because there were some other things. If I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have come back to Valley State College. I wouldn't have gotten to take Chaucer and structural grammar from Professor Stryker. I wouldn't have ever got to take the wonderful courses I took from William Walsh uh, at that school. And most important, I never would have met and gotten to know this amazing woman or our amazing children or our amazing grandchildren. And so, yeah, it was a missed opportunity. And yeah, it was um, a really stupid decision at the time. But, and it qualifies, I guess, as regret. But that regret is tinged by joy and gratitude and love.
Thanks for listening to Everyday Short Stories. I'm your host, David. If you really liked it, go to my YouTube channel or my Facebook page or even my website, everydayshortstories.com, and give us some love. And don't forget to tell your everyday short stories.